This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Today on Trink Chicks, we are so thrilled to welcome Erica Smith. She is an award-winning and nationally recognized sexuality educator who provides public and private sexuality education, consulting, and training. And she's the creator of the Purity Dropout Program, which we cannot wait to hear more about. Welcome, Erica. You have such an impressive background. Tell us a little bit more about what got you into this insanely important work. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, I am excited to be here. I feel like this is a Philly girl hang. Yes, the best kind of hang. <laughs> there's a vibe with Philly girls. <laughs> um, let's see. So... Sex education is an interesting field to end up in. I feel like nowadays there are probably very young people that say, I want to be a sex educator, but that wasn't presented to me as an option um, when I was young. So I was a women's studies major in undergrad. I went to Penn State and the classes that really got me the most that I was the most passionate about were the like reproductive health and the classes that had to do with like health and wellness and, you know, just like the systemic medical oppression that, that women have been subjected to. And so I was deeply fascinated by all of the sexuality related classes. And so that's, that's kind of where this all started for me. Um, my first work was like outside of school was at an abortion clinic. And so I did a lot of counseling and education in abortion care. And after that, um, I started doing sex education with youth in detention in Philadelphia. And that's the work that I stayed at for a very long time before 
starting out on my own. Amazing. And so we on the show have sort of talked a little bit about purity culture. We've dropped the word and we realized that we've never fully got into it. So what better to do to fully go into this term and concept than come to you, the creator of the Purity Culture Dropout Program. So let's talk about what the fuck purity culture is, <laughs> your experience with it, what you see, how we identify it, because I think it affects way more people than people realize. Absolutely agree with you. Um, so I am always very clear that I was not raised in purity culture, so it is not my personal background. Um, but I have watched from the sidelines, first of all, as like abstinence-only education became the most common and promoted kind of sex ed in this country. And that really started, um, it started back in like the Reagan years and then with George W. Bush, um, Clinton, they gave lots of federal funding to abstinence-only sex ed, despite very clear evidence that it did not actually prevent any kind of unwanted sexual health outcome. It didn't keep people from delaying sex. It didn't prevent like teenage pregnancy and it did not reduce STI risk. Um, so that is like, that is related to purity culture um, because purity culture itself is like a philosophy that is being, was really popularly promoted by the evangelicals in the United States. Um, Purity culture as a concept is not a new thing. It's it's the idea that like women in particular need to preserve their virginity until marriage and that a woman's sexual purpose is really only to please her husband. Um, and that before that, she is not a sexual being at all. That's that's kind of like the central gist of purity culture. Um, that's a very like quick summary. But um, so the philosophy is old. The philosophy is kind of something that other religions also share. But the way that American evangelicals ran with this idea and turned it into an entire movement in like the 90s and the early 2000s, that is what we, like when we refer to purity culture now, that's pretty much what we're talking about. Um, so if you've ever talked to someone who signed a pledge to keep their virginity, like a true love weights pledge, or went to a purity ball or had a purity ring. Um, those are some of the more extreme versions, but um, from the folks I work with, what I hear from them a lot is that they were involved in a church or youth group or sometimes even public school education in which they were taught that virginity was their highest value and that you could not have sex until marriage. You were not even supposed to think about sex. Um, you were supposed to kind of divorce yourself from that part of you entirely until you became a married heterosexual. Because in this world, there's only straightness and there's only um, cisgender people too. So mm -hmm. yeah, purity culture is just, but like, you know, queer and queer, not queer friendly by definition. So you would really only see yourself in those lessons unless you were like a straight person um, and a cisgender person and yeah, waiting until marriage to even consider your sexuality at all. Mm -hmm. So um, my mother's Jewish, 
but I grew up in going to Quaker school and then public school and then after our public school didn't go so well and I ended up in you know rehab and uh, residential for a while um, my mom put me into our local Catholic school because it was smaller it's cheaper it's like a lot cheaper to go to an archdiocese school than it is to go to a private school but it's smaller and so the funny part was my first year there we had our abstinence only education and they gave us all stickers that said I'm worth the weight and the funny part is I had already had sex many many times with many many people yeah. <laughs> of all different types of bodies at this point. <laughs> and how did it make you feel to get that sticker? Right. <laughs> right. So like, so it's so funny because the thing is like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, this is so funny. I put it right on my chest. I'm like, I'm worth the weight. I've already had sex with half of you. And then <laughs> um, <laughs> this is very funny to me. Um, uh, and but other people who didn't have that experience that had been in Catholic education their whole lives, that this like really virginity was something important, right? So in Catholic school, also a lot of girls are having anal sex because they think it preserves their virginity and then they can't get pregnant. And the other, a lot of girls were carrying this around like this was my highest thing, right? So like at the time I could see it as a joke, but you look around and other people, it's not a joke. It is so important. It's so significant in who they are and their worth. Well, and it's so interesting because even the sticker itself saying I'm worth the weight, pretty much the, you know, connection to that is that your you preserving your virginity means that you're worthy in some way, right? Like the sticker itself is telling you you're not worthy if you're not yeah. preserving yourself. Exactly. And um, I had the same experience as you, Emily, where I was just like, at the time, I thought other kids like that were like nerds, you yeah. know, like the, the church kids and the kids that were like deep into you know, virginity pledges, I could not relate at all. But now as I'm grown and have a different perspective, I realized that they were, they were being indoctrinated, and they were being hurt, and they were being used by like a political movement Mm -hmm. um, that has one goal, which is to control people. Um, If their goal was actually to prevent STIs and pregnancy, they would be promoting comprehensive sex ed, they would encourage young people to talk about sex in their bodies, but they don't. So yeah, from from the perspective I have now, I realize that people who grew up with that were being harmed and they, they had no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. And what an interesting time to have you on this show right now after everything that's happening in Texas. Oh. Right. <laughs> so I know, right? So um, Jen, who is someone who is child-free by choice, always will be like right you too erica right like there's a big fear of like holy fuck i um my doctor who i go to like a very very really cool progressive pcp and they were like hey anyone who wants iud's you need to come in and get them now like something you should always do is like we don't know what's going to happen in this country right like how do you as people with a uterus take care of your bodies and your own birth control if we're not going to be able to access that and that's a really scary thing and I think a lot of people is always like oh you're so dramatic thinking that but I don't think it is so dramatic no it's not so dramatic anymore and I remember feeling this way election 2016 and then feeling this way again when um RBG passed away Mm -hmm. this like, like oh no it's happening sort of terror like no that couldn't really be the case I mean I've been active in the like reproductive rights conversation for a very long time but never has it felt so like dire Mm -hmm. 
it's scary. I mean, it's really terrifying. And I think the the piece that keeps coming up and is kind of like an undertone of this is other people trying to control what you do with your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And how harmful that is, you know, with, with purity culture. And I think even if you didn't grow up with um, kind of an overt purity culture that there's always like an undertone of it or there was an undertone, you know, when we were growing up um, and that it is that that sense of like other people trying to take control over what you do with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if either of you um, are familiar with the background of why evangelicals decided abortion was an issue that they were going to rally around educate educate tell us this i I mean yeah i i get very worked up about this okay so (laughs) we want this passion we're We're in we're into it i'm like amped up right now (laughs) so decades ago it was the case that catholics were very interested in the abortion conversation so when roe v wade passed that was in 1973 and catholics were very opposed because they thought that life began at conception But other religious organizations in America didn't really share that belief. Like it's even on record that like Southern Baptists, um, evangelicals, they thought that, you know, it was something that like a woman should decide. And it was something that, you know, life began when a child was born, basically. Mm -hmm. And then in the late 1970s, um, let's see, it started with a Christian university called Oral Roberts University, they were going to be forced to desegregate and admit black students. This is the seventies, right? They didn't want to do that because they, they found out that they were going to lose their tax exempt status under Mm -hmm. the civil rights act if they did not admit black students. So they didn't want to do that, but they also knew that they couldn't get, all the evangelicals on their side if they were like we're going to be outright racist please vote so we can be racist so they decided strategically that they needed an issue to build political power around and they had like these were like imagine like some old white men sitting in a room together and they said abortion is going to be the thing that gets people to the polls we are going to rally folks around this issue and that will create political power that will amass power for our movement. And then, you know, once we have political power, we can put the people in office that will like, let us keep our tax exempt status and therefore let us continue to discriminate. And that is what they did. And that is why abortion is now such a central part of American politics when it was never before. And you have all these young people who grew up with abortion always being an issue in their lifetime and always thinking that it was actually about life. And that is not how it started. Wow. You know, you know, the term like ignorance is bliss. Yeah. (laughs) The more, the more we learn, the more pain I feel. Well, and this like thing that like I truly do believe is that like everybody loves somebody that has had an abortion, right? Every single person. I don't give a shit if you know it or not. You do, mm-hmm. right? And because abortion, what we know is not is even if we take away safe abortion, it's not going to stop happening. Abortion has always been a part of our history. It will always be a part of our history. 
But I think what you're also talking about, Erica, is like the desperate need for comp- for comprehensive sex education that gives this information. And purity culture, when we're putting this massive significance on the idea, even the idea of virginity, that's made up. Um, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what? Right? Like, you know, like this like very hilarious thing. And okay, we could talk to you all day. We're obsessed with you already. But oh. <laughs> so like, let's talk about how do you think, how have you really seen purity culture affect people? Yeah. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. Um, so... In a whole variety of ways, depending on how seriously they grew up in it. But some of the things that I talk to people about and that I have witnessed um, is there, there are people that made it to adulthood without knowing some pretty basic information about their bodies. 
I've worked with um, women who did not know until their early 20s that women could masturbate. They like it was never presented to them as a reality. Um, they also did not know what a clitoris was. Um, people that have this body part didn't know what it was until they were in their 20s. Um, some people were encouraged to marry very young. And so a lot of folks entered into marriages with equally ignorant young men. Like, And I, I'm talking from the perspective of women because women are most of my clients and most mm -hmm. of the people that like bear the brunt of this harm. Um, but a lot of folks would end up in marriages like with other people that grew up in their church and then they got married and suddenly they were supposed to have this like, you know, be fruitful and multiply type of sex. And there was shame, fear. A lot of times there was pain. So vaginismus and other like pelvic pain disorders come up a lot. Um, deep shame after any kind of sexual encounter shame like you know being unable to masturbate unable to experience pleasure without shame um, a lot of folks have trouble having an orgasm i've worked with folks who um oh gosh there's just so many areas to go here um people that don't know how to talk to their doctors about their bodies who don't know how to communicate with their partners about sex mm -hmm. so it would never occur to them to say to their husband or their you know their spouse like you know, can we do it like this? Or can you be more gentle? Or can we try this? Um, a lot of just like the, the belief that sex is something to endure and that other people do to you is something that people struggle with. And decades after they got these purity lessons, I've worked with a lot of people who still feel like their worth is tied to the specific act of penis and vagina sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like that is the act that's put on a pedestal. So I have a lot of clients who have done everything but, and they were very afraid to cross that line into penis and vagina sex, even if they're in their thirties, even if they've, you know, put it in every other poll they have. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah. but <laughs> this is the thing that will change who I am on a deep level. And that stuff is like stuck around with folks for like decades. And it's, it's so funny because it's taught from such a very young age. And I think one of the things Emily and I, um, you know, when we were in grad school, we specialized in sex therapy and still specialize in sex therapy. And I think one of the things that I found really interesting that no one ever taught me, because once again, this kind of like underpinning of purity culture is that kids are sexual from birth yeah oh yeah when I mentioned that on my Instagram oh. I get people people were like this is child molestation it's like people are so afraid to talk about this yeah and and I think there is like there's even a discomfort right like I'm someone who like considers himself like incredibly sex positive has done a lot of work in the area and I'm a mom and even when my toddler started first showing signs, there was a part that like I had a reaction to, like I had like a visceral reaction of like, wait a second, like that's what she's doing right now, right? Uh -huh. Like she's like feeling her body and she's exploring herself and like, how do I handle this? You know what I mean? Like, and so even that thing of like, what do I do? And I think that we have also like villainized the idea, like like children and sex, it's like automatically pedophile, right? So like yeah. if I like help my daughter find healthy ways to masturbate, like am I a bad person, right? Because like there's such, like I feel like in this country, it's such like you're either I mean, it's very Madonna and the whore as well. Like this dichotomous oh, thinking of like sex is evil or it's beautiful and for procreation. And the fact is most of us are having sex 
with nothing to do with procreation or marriage or any of these (laughs) other things. And the thing that like, you know, it's so interesting and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this because one of the things that I will notice is personally, I started having sex around like 14. It was pretty fucking bad for a very long time because I didn't know what I was doing. And I also had an eating disorder and there was all this other stuff that was like occurring, right? And sex didn't really get good until I knew myself more and knew my body more. And that took probably a solid like eight years. And I think other people, specifically people that are holding on to virginity or waiting until marriage, start having sex and they're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. And it usually is kind of not wonderful at the beginning because you're figuring shit out. And you're not taught about it at all. And you're not taught about your body, especially as a woman. And women are taught that pleasure, you, you are not supposed to feel pleasure during sex. And so you have to almost teach yourself and learn, you know, especially if you're not given resources, of course, sex is going to be bad at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I feel like I'm a very, I'm a total outlier and that I had really great sex as a teenager. That's amazing. Yeah. I was in a, I was in a committed relationship with a boyfriend that we, we were very much in love and he's still one of my best friends. Like, you know, we broke up in 1999, but he's one of my best friends. (laughs) Um, And like, we were, we were just like very exploratory with each Mm -hmm. other. There was always consent involved. There was always care of each other involved. And so, you know, when I think about the first time I had sex, it was really great. Mm -hmm. And I don't talk to many people that had that experience, but I feel like there were certain things in place that made it great. Like I didn't grow up with shame he didn't grow up with shame. We both had families that like let us shut our bedroom doors when we were together. Wow. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's because our moms were like, we are sex positive. Like, I don't think they would have known that term. They were just like, Oh, we trust them. Like our kids are, our kids are responsible. And you know, our moms were like young and cool. And, and again, nothing, nothing bad happened. Like I got on birth control before I had penis and vagina sex I was like I went to the family planning clinic I got on the pill I waited seven days and then I was like now we can have sex and we use condoms um because I was like I'm not getting pregnant so yeah my sexual experiences as a teen were really good but I think it's because I had so many important things like mm-hmm. I checked a lot of boxes there Mm-hmm. and so, not everyone gets that no right okay so you said like important things right which was like there was no shame there was trust and privacy given there was some education and like uh, acknowledgement I think you're right I think most people don't get that I would assume that's a lot of your clientele business yeah so what do you see from people that didn't receive that what are some of those outcomes um I mean absolutely difficult sexual experiences like as younger people so like their first sexual experiences aren't pleasurable are often like violations um you know sexual experiences where consent is not taken into consideration as as much as it should be and not everyone classifies this for themselves as assault so i'm not going to call it that for Mm -hmm. other people but there are a lot of i've talked to a lot of people who just are like, yeah, I feel weird about the way my first time happened, or they feel like they were manipulated or 
coerced. And when we don't give young people good sex education, it leaves them so vulnerable to that kind of coercion and manipulation. When they can't name their body parts with real words, when they don't know like what, you know, the details of how sex works and that they have agency and that they can say yes and no to things, it really sets young people up for experiencing consent violations and manipulation, which, you know, going back to like you were talking about raising a toddler, that's, I'm sure you know this already, but that's why we think it's so important to tell young people from babyhood that they get a say in who touches Mm -hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And na- naming their body parts the correct things. All that stuff is protective. Mm-hmm. And that one, and I know, M, that you're like very conscious about this with your daughter. And I love this because I don't think I ever got a, a choice in this when someone's like, oh, like go hug your grandmother or like go give them a kit, you know, like that, that there's, you know, you're, you're telling them do something that maybe you don't want to do. And I know, Em, you're, you're so telling conscious. them without a choice. Without, right? they don't Go have a choice. Go do this, right? Go As opposed do this. to, would you like to give your grandmother a hug as she right. leaves? Right. So and often, I did not want to give anyone a hug or a kiss. <laughs> still, you don't. Still. I still feel that way. You still have no interest in touching people. Boundaries. Boundaries. <laughs> right. But I think it's true, right? So, like, a part of that, and that also goes to, like, our medical care now, right? Like, if you have a doctor, they should still be asking for consent. Like, I was very lucky that I used a doula throughout my birth, and my doula was like, listen, like, if the doctor doesn't say, like, hey, is it okay if I um, go and do an internal, like, exam, right? Like, if I if I do um, an internal dilation check, you know? And those were not words that most of us have been given with authority figures and with family right we're told that we like shouldn't have boundaries with those and sometimes those are the most important relationships to have boundaries with a really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if i let my hair dry natural it is a frizzball mess which is one of the many reasons i absolutely love pros i truly never thought that i would be able to embrace my natural hair texture Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash chicks. 
I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. I was just going to say, I think as women too, you know, we're taught to please other people, right? We're taught like it's more about what they want and less about what you want. And if other people want a hug from you or if you're going to offend them, that you have to make sure that they aren't offended. And well, I think grandma's going to be sad if you don't hug her. Yeah. So you have to yeah. go hug her. Right. And you brought, I mean, you've both brought up fantastic points here and one specifically about gynecological care and medical care, so many of the folks I've worked with are terrified to have that first appointment because they don't know anything that's going to happen or they've had bad experiences with doctors that violate their consent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always, I mean, not always male doctors. That's a lie. I've, I've talked to women who've had um, exams where no matter the gender of the doctor, they've, they've, been rough or they haven't explained things and I've had clients whose doctors basically mocked them for not having sex and have been like you're still a virgin you're you're 25 why like that kind of like shit happening in doctor's appointments so some of the work I do with people is like letting them know like this is what trauma-informed care looks like this is what a good gynecologist will do um they will ask you every step of the way if you're comfortable if you can't, you know, use a regular speculum, they'll use a small one, like mm-hmm. all of the things, like, basically, I feel like most of my work is telling people you have rights over your own body. And this is how you exercise those rights. Yeah. Which is amazing, right? Because we don't get that. So let me ask you this. And this is when we'll start to do a trigger warning. I want to talk a little bit about purity culture, especially as it has for um, sexual assault survivors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if at any point, hey, this is you and this is too triggering, this is a great time to get the fuck off this podcast and go take a woolly hot shower and take care of yourself, right? That matters most. But let's have a conversation going into that because I think that there, there's a ton of shame, right? That like if we, t- if we add impurity culture and the shame of being a trauma survivor. I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, Erica. Absolutely. Um, So purity culture is rape culture. It goes hand in hand. They are like you, they're so intertwined, you can't divorce them from each other. Um, You know, in, in rape culture, there's this overt messaging, like you are responsible for other people's sexual feelings towards you. You are responsible for other people's behavior. 
it's always a blame the victim situation. And in purity culture, this messaging is overt. It's not subtle. Um, you like there's specific language used like do not cause the men in your life to stumble. So women are taught that they are stumbling blocks, meaning your slutty shoulder or your bra strap or, um, you know, if you wear a two piece bathing suit, you are the reason that men cannot control their sexual thoughts and feelings. I see Jennifer over there just getting <laughs> upset. I'm in so much pain. You just stepped back. And just, I like, just, I just, face. my first thought is like when in public school, when they, you know, you had certain dress codes, right? If you had a, like a sweater that was off the shoulder, I remember getting yelled at for that. Anyway, so my, my, oh, having yeah, a visceral yeah. reaction to this. <laughs> I mean, this is, I feel like you are just demonstrating how so many of us have been shamed by purity culture rules, even if we didn't grow up in that kind of thinking, like dress codes for girls in schools, public and private really play into this idea that like you can be distracting. You can be the reason that other people can't control them. And you know, men were never getting in trouble for any sort of dress code. Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. And also that, you know, that girls get sent home, right? Like I had incidents in middle school where I got sent home because there was letters. There was like, like a saying. Remember when it was like really cool to have a saying on your sweatpants on the butt? Why? I'm yeah. first of all, I, yeah, yeah. that juicy. was like very, that was like juicy. Great. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Right. Like that was the thing. And I got sent home from school. And like the shame, that. the shame around that too. Well, yeah, because of course you're also mocked in the middle in, the, in a fucking home ec class, which I cannot even get into how comical that is, right? That the teacher was like, stand up, what's your, what do your sweatpants say? Go to the principal's office in front of the whole class. Mm. I mean, <laughs> another thing, I don't want to get too off the like main topic, but those dress codes are applied differently to girls with breasts and bigger bodies. So if you're a double D, <laughs> and you wear a shirt that is just a little bit of a v-neck they're gonna look at you like a danger but if an a cup comes in in that same shirt nobody says shit to her yeah and that is like just reinforcing the idea that somehow your body is bad your body's unruly your body is it is a vessel for sin Mm. and like if you grow up just believing that your body is making other people potentially go to hell like imagine the psychological effects that has on somebody um i want to ask you because we got an interesting um dm a while ago a lot of people send us in questions different stuff and somebody had sent this in and i was like you want to know what let's talk about this we have an up we have an upcoming episode of purity culture somebody wrote in this is somebody who started having sex very young and has a lot of mixed feelings about having sex young right like so actually um they said like what are like what are your thoughts on that being bad like that actually was a mistake to be having sex young I feel like there she was like I feel like there's a lot of conversation about how we should be sex positive but I don't think that that was actually a good experience for me either yeah um sex positive doesn't mean doing things that aren't right for you at the time and it doesn't mean um doing things that make you uncomfortable so it is also sex positive to decide to not have sex if that is where you're comfortable Mm -hmm. um I feel like, you know, this DM is is part of a larger conversation where I've I've seen, God, I just read a really bad take in the Atlantic. I think it was recently. <laughs> it was about like how sex positivity is like betraying, you know, women and it makes us like think we need to be super sexual. And that is like not what I push here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, having sex young can be a terrible decision for folks if they don't have, if they don't feel safe, if they don't have safety with their partner, if they don't have education about their bodies, if they feel, or if their motivation for doing it is like external, if they're like, well, it's going to make other kids like me, or it's going to make me more popular. Like there are so many ways that having sex as a young person can be detrimental if, if there's not those kind of like safety nets in place. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it can also be wrong for adults too. So I think that the issue is less about age and more about like what else is going on in your life. And do you have all of the skills and all of the supports that make sex a positive decision for you? Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, right, there are a lot of young girls and young adolescents who you also use sex as a way of being accepted and a way of being like trying to get love, right? Like these are real things that could happen too. Or like closeness that maybe they are not getting in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the girls that, well, women I've worked with, they would do things like give, they were in purity culture, but they would give oral sex to guys to keep them around, to keep them interested because they knew they felt like their value lied in their sexuality because they were being explicitly told that by the church. Mm -hmm. And so for some of them, they interpreted that as I have to keep this guy around. I have to keep him interested, but I can't do P and V. So then they would just like, you know, without liking it themselves, be giving oral sex to boys for, for love basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's, it. it's just like gotta be just such a complicated time, right? Like when we're teenagers and we're trying to figure out who we are and the most important thing to us is feeling accepted, feeling loved, feeling connected. And if we're not taught about sex and what sex means and consent, then I think you very, you know, it's so easy to slip into that of like, this is how I'm going to feel connected to others. Mm -hmm creating yeah. a complicated relationship with sex you know i know where the majority of these listeners are people that have uteruses and um you know what's interesting though i keep also thinking about the men that grow up in this and how they oh, also yeah. get fucked yeah <laughs> right that like they because they're like told this very strong narrative of like when you get married your wife is there to be with you and you're gonna have great sex and things are gonna be so great and all of a sudden you know what i mean like and then one they have no idea how to please their wives they don't know how to communicate about sex. They don't even know what they like as well. And oh, yeah. like, so like it really is like a setup for failure for these two then adults to enter in this relationship and think they're going to have this like amazing sex life. It's so hard on men as well. And that's, I get, when I get male clients, I get so excited because they, they tend to reach out to me less. And I know there's, you know, there's so many dynamics that goes into that. Like, you know, men aren't encouraged to ask for help or admit that they are, are struggling. But the men that I've worked with, one of the things that they are dealing with the most is being told that they're predators and they're dangerous just for getting a boner. Basically. Um, I've worked with men who from very like young adolescents were put in these accountability groups, which meant that they had to sit in a group with other adolescent boys and men and admit every time they had a sexual thought, every time they saw something that turned them on. And so they have kind of coded that in their brains as like, oh my God, I can't look at this woman. Oh my God, I can't, you know, I can't indulge in the fact that I like find this person attractive 
And it's like, not, we're not talking predator shit. We're talking like healthy sexuality. So some of the men I've worked with are like in their thirties and they're terrified to even date because they, they are, they were told from childhood, from adolescence that they are dangerous. It's their, their uh, minds are dangerous in the way that the girls are taught their bodies are dangerous. Mm. Mm. I'm wondering, just as you're talking, I'm thinking about, because I've had some clients too, who are trying to navigate, um, still being religious or like religion being an important part of their life, but also challenging purity culture. So I'm wondering how you manage kind of that dichotomy or that conflict between the two. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, So some of the people that come to me are fully deconstructed. Some of them are like, fuck all that. I'm an atheist now, or I'm agnostic now, or I'm I'm a witch. Like, (laughs) I'm here for all of that. And then other folks I work with are still, they're still pretty religious. And I, again, like, I'm not a religion expert. I don't give a shit what your, like, religion is, but I'm here to give you, like, sex information um, and a place to to deconstruct all of that. So the folks that I work with that still, you know, they're, they're very much, they're always folks that are like faithful to the teachings of Jesus as Jesus was a person, not as this like white, is like white American racist, you know, like fuck the poor kind of Jesus. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't let the immigrants in. Don't let the refugees in. Right, right. Those, those folks don't come to me, but it's right. the people that are like, you know, my Christianity is about love and charity and about like giving and about like, yeah. you know, reaching out to the poor. And I'm basically communist. Like I get those folks. Um, yeah. And there are ways to reconcile like the love and teachings of Jesus with positive sexuality, because the Bible doesn't actually all, all the shit that people have interpreted out of the Bible, like, you know, God hates gays and God doesn't want you to touch your, you know, someone else's butthole. Like that's not in the Bible. (laughs) um, And there are really brilliant Christian thinkers who have a body of work that helps people out with that stuff. Mm. Um, Because I'm not a Christian thinker. Some of the people that come to mind are um, Nadia Bowles Weber, who is a Lutheran minister who is incredibly badass and wrote a whole book called shameless, a sexual reformation. And in that book, she like, breaks down Bible verses that people have used to shame sexuality and, and actually interprets them in a very sex positive way. Another person is Joe Lumen. Joe is a um, woman of color who is a brilliant, like she is so fucking brilliant. If you should follow her Twitter, J O Lumen. Um, And she just like breaks down all this toxic theology in the most brilliant way. So there are people out there doing that work. Um, so you can still be a Christian and reject purity culture. It's there. That's awesome. Um, I know that we have to get to calling BS, but I also, so give us an idea. Who would be a really good fit for purity culture dropout? Because maybe there's people listening. They're like, oh, I think that like I have some of this, but I like, what do I need? Like, who would be a good fit? Yeah. Um, anyone of, you can be any gender or age. So I don't care if you are, you know, 20 or you are 70 and you are like, I still feel that the shaming messages I've received about sexuality are preventing me from living the kind of life I want. So regardless of your age, gender, your sexual orientation, um, or even how much you care about sex. Like I work with people that are asexual. They're not that interested in 
doing the sex act necessarily but they want to like break up all the crap in their minds of, that they learned about sex and the the way that they learn to relate to other people when it comes to sex um so i yeah anyone is a good fit for purity culture dropout if they are like ready to really embrace the topic of human sexuality from a positive lens from an accurate like medically accurate lens um a queer inclusive lens and yeah a, a pleasure positive lens as well you know it's interesting a few um months ago we had india oxenberg who was a big part of the next oh yeah um, yes. and india talks a lot about how right after she got out she she was not in a place to do therapy but she worked with a deep programmer right that that is actually what she needed more than therapy right and in some ways that's kind of like what you're talking about is like i'll meet you with no shame and give you information and help you like explore these thoughts yeah and I think my work, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I think what I do pairs very well with therapy. I always encourage my clients, like, do you have a therapist? Like, I can help you find one that is going to be a good fit for you. Um, and a lot of my clients have actually been therapists. I have worked with um, a psychologist recently, was one of my clients um, who needed her own purity culture stuff. And she said working with me made her better for her own clients. And so I can think of like at least four therapists who have done the program with me and they find like the benefit is not just personal, but also professional. Absolutely. Because the more work that they do, the more they're going to be able to help their clients do the same kind of work. And I'm wondering, just for the people who don't know, what the Purity Culture Dropout entails, you know, how many weeks, what that looks like, just in case people are interested. Yeah. Yeah. So I use the name Purity Culture Dropout as kind of an umbrella for like all of the, the offerings I do. So there's like webinars and support groups, but the program itself is like um, a, people choose either like six or 10 sessions or anywhere between six and 10, depending on their personal needs. But we would meet and do, it's all one-on-one -on -one work. So you get like me undivided attention. Um, we dive into all of the things that you are specifically struggling with the most, the things that you feel like are, um, are your particular like sticking points and it's different for everyone. And then we have conversations about it. I give you assignments. I give you lesson plans. I give you like, you know, read this book, watch this Ted talk, like have this conversation with your partner. Like there's homework involved mm -hmm. and every session is, is designed to move them towards the goals that they have told me they have. So the way that it works for you is going to be different than the way it worked for Emily. Like everyone's, everyone's experience in it is like specifically tailored towards them. Amazing. I That's can't so even awesome. tell you how incredibly helpful that probably is for so many people. It's such a cool offering. Well, it's and it's um, we were talking about one of our amazing clinicians that we have work with has a um, book coming out on consent in children's and is doing a children's. And so doing a little market research the other day, Jen is looking up like other um, e-courses for talking to your kids about sex. It was fucking horrifying, Erica. Horrifying. <laughs> oh, I'm so afraid. It, you and don't, I, know you of, don't I know of the fantastic ones and I just kind of like, like close my eyes and ears and I'm like la 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 like pretending the other ones aren't out there but oh my scary lord it was one of the scariest things we've ever seen staying staying close to god 
Yeah, there was a lot of mentions of God. (laughs) And like, that isn't going to do shit when it comes to like preparing your kid for the world and interacting with other people when it comes to their bodies. And I'm not surprised you found that shit because the way sex education is the conversations around sex ed in this country right now are fucking bananas. Like, I mean, like QAnon folks are going to school board meetings and threatening school board people for trying to, you know, turn our kids transgender and like (laughs) things that aren't fucking happening. Um, There's a lot of like the deep, like right wing conspiracy theory, like hysteria around sex education right now playing out in like small town school board meetings across the country. And it's, it's really frightening. Oh my gosh. Okay. So with that, great leeway into calling bullshit. Yes. Our favorite section. Anytime we have a guest, <laughs> tell us, call some BS in your field. I'm sure there's so much. It's going to be hard for you to choose. Oh what do my got? gosh. Um, okay. Here's the, the first BS that is, is coming to mind for me is that there are folks that are like, I have a different perspective on purity culture, but it's the same old shit in a new package. Mm. And this comes from a few angles. Um, it comes from like new age spiritual people who, who create Instagram accounts that say things like, if you have sex with another person, your souls are entwined forever and you absorb all of the negative energy from their previous sexual partners and you carry that for the rest of your life. Have you heard this stuff? <laughs> Yo, can I guess I'm, that it, can I guess it's a white woman who says that she does wellness? Because oh, it always is. It's a or white, white woman. Man. Right? Yeah, it's a yeah, white men and women. They've probably done a lot of kundalini yoga. And Jesus fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> this is, I mean, there is a part of, like, the wellness cult here that is, like, so problematic. And is a big QAnon factor. Yeah. I call this shit, like, new age purity culture. Because it is not done with... with Christianity as the background, but it is still deeply shaming and it just puts so much meaning on sex that, you know, if that's how you feel personally, I, I love that for you, but I do not want you to tell every other person that having sex absorbs the souls of all the other people they fucked. I have seen people selling crystals to cleanse you from all the people your partner had sex with before. I would need a lot of crystals to be cleansed. I was going to say that sounds, that sounds really terrifying. How many do I need? I don't know. We might need like the crystal, like the insertable vaginal crystals for that. (laughs) I think they sell that on goop. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. The new age purity culture. And I've had folks tell me like, yeah, I was, initially attracted to that after I deconstructed Christianity because I was looking for something else to fill that void. And I was looking for someone else to tell me how to be, but it's the same old shame. Like, well, and I see it as spiritual abuse. It is absolutely. It's moving from one guru to another. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are Instagram accounts out there that they're, they're always, like you said, run by some like white wellness person. Um, you know, like a, a man on the beach with long hair who posts a lot of selfies of himself, like, you know, looking at his abs yeah. yeah, <laughs> or like doing some kind of yoga pose and yeah. just being like ma- masculine and feminine energy or complementary. And you need an exact ratio of each. And, you know, a, a real man does blo- like just bullshit. Bullshit. I mean, when I hear that, I'm just like, what are they even saying? But if they're hashtagging 
if they're hashtagging the sacred feminine, then there's a good chance, right? Like that's a thing. And I think, but I think it's like a really important thing to talk about. It's like, if you're leaving one like high controlled situation, you're going to be attracted to more. So whether that's like an abusive relationship or whether that's moving into another thing, like, and that's something that we also have clinicians have to be aware of is that like, we can become clients gurus when they're coming out of that, you know? And like, you know, we can give information, we can help people on this journey, but like your life is your own, right? And like one of the biggest things coming out of the situation is how do you develop that for yourself? Yeah, and that is really the central thesis of everything I do is like, I'm not, I don't want to create clones of me. I'm not out here to like make a bunch of other like queer, sex positive, feminist babies. If, If you turn out that way after working with me, that's fine. But if you're also like, you know, I'm still like a conservative lady married to my husband and I want to do missionary, like, that's great too. Like, I just want people to find what is true to them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I do get clients that'll say to me, like, I just want someone else to tell me what to do and tell me what to believe. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's a perfect example of like you not being a guru or expecting to be a guru in some oh, way. Yeah. I yeah. do not want that. <laughs> um, Erica, thank you for coming on. Where can people, where can people find you? Cause I think so many people have found this conversation important, I hope. So how can people find you, locate you, follow you for more? Yeah. So my central hub is Instagram. My Instagram handle is Erica Smith sex ed. Um, my website is purityculturedropout.com. I also tweet under Erica Smith sex ed, but it's much less professional. Half the time I'm just shit talking about like TV, but <laughs> I do have a Twitter presence. <laughs> Instagram is where all the good education is though. Amazing. Amazing. I would love, I would love to shit talk about TV too. <laughs> As well. Yeah. I'm we like, I'm, a- I've taken an edible and now I'm going to tweet. <laughs> So that's kind of what my Twitter feed is like. We're going to have to have another episode where we just do that. Can we, yeah, let's have a whole episode if we just microdose and record it and we can do all of this together. I think that's really the future here, guys. I yes. totally, yes. like, yes. I love you two so much that I'm like, when are we going to have drinks? Yeah. We're going to have drinks. Yeah. As soon, you know, you know, Jen, and so I are, Jen and I just got over COVID two weeks ago, so we're ready oh, to I'm party. I'm so sorry. Listen. We're getting through it. We are getting through it. You know? I think we got the vaccine too early. Yeah. I got vaxxed January. Yeah, so do we. Watch out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Protect yourself. Still not smelling a lot. Erica, we cannot thank you for coming on. We're going to link all of this information on um, on all of our Instagrams. Follow this amazing person. Hey, if today's episode related to you or somebody that you might know, please send along. You can always rate, review, subscribe, unless you're going to give us one star. Then, you know, could you maybe don't do that. Um, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the things it would be. We love you. Thank you for being here. And don't forget to grow yourself. You got to know yourself. 